Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to help yoga teachers transform their teaching by mastering the fundamentals of anatomy. By learning anatomy in my easy step-by-step way, you'll be able to confidently share it in your cues, easily create sequences, and you'll eagerly answer student questions. And all along the way, you'll increase your impact and earning potential. On the podcast here, you will hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, go ahead and visit barebonesyoga.com, my website, for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all that are there, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. And if you'd like, send me a one-line email with the answer to this question. What's your biggest frustration right now as a yoga teacher? And I'm happy to do some brainstorming with you in a free coaching session. My email address is karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get to today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 197. So I'm recording this on July 25th, 2022, and you are going to hear it uh, either today because it's going to go live today or in the coming days and weeks ahead. I'm really excited because today I have uh, a guest, some episodes. Of course, I do solo. Today I have a guest and I'm going to get to that um, interview. I just got off the call with her very shortly. I just want to start out with a couple of quick announcements. The first thing is, if you are listening to this on the 25th or the 26th, or even Wednesday, the 27th, I'm doing a workshop on the 27th. You can find the link to it on the events page of my website. And it's all about common questions yoga teachers have. Now, for those of you who have been to some of my past workshops, you know that because I focus on anatomy, they're almost all, if not all, focused on different aspects of anatomy and bringing anatomy seamlessly into your teaching. This one is going to be a wide range of things. I've been uh, kind of accumulating a list of questions for my own uh, coaching calls I have with teachers in my program, as well as just different groups I'm in online. And I've pulled together what I think is a pretty good list of common questions, and they are going to be wide ranging. So some are about anatomy, teaching skills, business of yoga. So I think you'll get a really good overview. Kind of, I kind of think of it as a lot, I'm sorry, a little bit about a lot rather than some of the other workshops I do, which is a lot about maybe one thing, hip anatomy, for instance. So that is this uh, Wednesday, the 27th at 4 p.m. Eastern time. You can sign up for it on my website events page. And if you can't make it, do sign up and I will send you the replay, but you need to, um, you need to sign up for it. There is a small fee for this workshop. It's $25. So whether or not you can be there live, you will get the replay as long as you sign up. Uh, the next thing I wanted to mention is that in the show notes for this episode, 
I am including my two most recent free downloads that I've created for yoga teachers. I have a number of guides that I create for yoga teachers on a number of different topics. Over the past couple of weeks, I've created one on different mindset shifts for yoga teachers that uncover some common self-limiting beliefs that teachers have and a way to reframe those self-limiting beliefs. So that's a mindset focused PDF. And the guide that I created last week is a real practical one about tips for teaching online classes. So if you'd like either or both of those, an easy way to get them is you can just send me a DM on Instagram and I will send them to you. These are not on my website, so you have to request them. Or if you go to the show notes for this episode, there'll be links for both of those in the show notes. And when I say show notes, what that basically means is you go to my website, go to the podcast page of my website. And for this episode, number 197, you'll see links in the description. That's the show notes of the episode. If you don't feel like doing all that, especially if you're listening to your uh, to this podcast on your phone right now, just hop over to my Instagram page, Bare Bones Yoga, and just send me a DM. I think that's probably the easiest way. So with that, I am going to kick off just a quick intro. And of course, the bulk of what you'll learn uh, from my guest will come in the episode itself. My guest today is yoga teacher, Allison Ray Girassi. And Allison is someone that I connected with on Instagram in that she came up in my Instagram feed one day, uh, several months ago. And I immediately was just really interested in finding out more about her and her style of teaching. She um, is a teacher who you know, outwardly, when you look at her teaching style, and she goes into this a lot in our conversation here, she is very creative with the use of props. And while she definitely has classes where um, there's not a ton of props being used, if, if they're uh, live classes online or classes outside, um, there are several classes she teaches where she has some very interesting ways that she presents props. And there's a whole logic behind it. And that's one of the really interesting things about her, about her style of teaching. And we get into that a lot in this episode. The other piece that was so inspiring for me to learn more about is who she is as a teacher, what's important to her as a yoga teacher in terms of how she shows up for her students and what benefit she wants to share with them and how she wants to empower them. And there was a lot of conversation we got into about that. And I'm just so grateful to her that she was open and honest and transparent in sharing it all with us. I think there's so much that we can learn from this episode, each of us individually as teachers in terms of how we can all grow individually as teachers so that we can not only love teaching, uh, also so that we can be of you know, benefit to our students and, and have a positive impact on, on students in our classes. So with that, I'm going to turn over this episode now to the interview I just did today with yoga teacher, Allison Ray Girassi. Hello, how are you? Good, Karen, how are you doing? Good, it's great to see you. So nice to meet you. And there is your your Robin Egg Blue 
background that I see on your videos, which is so fantastic. I love that color. It's very unique. Uh, is there any meaning behind that color? You just liked it? Yeah, it brings me joy. Yeah, that, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. So thank you so much for doing this. I um, really appreciate your time and I'm really excited to kind of dive into learning more about you and what inspires you to do what you do, which I've been kind of watching you on Instagram and learning from you. And I'm just really excited to share this. Awesome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. This is really exciting. Cool. So um, tell me first where you're based out of. I am based out of Danbury, Connecticut. Okay, great. I'm in Boston. So we're kind of. Oh, okay. Neighborish. Are you from there originally? So I was actually born here, but I lived my whole life in New Rochelle, New York, about mm, okay. like 30 minutes outside the city. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. We share that East Coast sensibility because I was born in the Bronx and I grew up in New Jersey. Got it. Yeah. Still live there, but I went to school at Boston University and I just stayed in Boston. I mean, it's kind of like one of those places that you just kind of stay if, you know, if it's a good option for you and, and it was so. Well, that is just great. I'm glad we're, I was wondering when we set this up, is she in the same time zone as me? I never, <laughs> quite know where people are. Yeah, yeah. So um, why don't we start by, you can just kind of take this however you want direction-wise, this first question topic, just to kind of give the listeners a sense of who you are and what you do. If, if folks are not connected with you on social media, I know my impression is there's a specific kind of niche area of the practice that you're sharing. I just leave it to you to kind of share with us. Tell us a little bit about you. Awesome. Cool. And then none of this is on camera, right? It's all just audio. It's all just audio. Yeah. Okay. I just like to, if the person's willing to see them. So it's kind of like we're sitting in a coffee shop, having a conversation um, I'm there with you. Yeah. I just like to use the audio because I just feel like people are just listening so much these days to podcasts and they don't really need to see it. Right. Totally. I'm there with you. Cause I'm like, oh, do I need to like move my camera and my lights and stuff? So I know I'm in like awful lighting right now. So I apologize for that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Do you want me to start? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so hi, I'm Allison Ray Jirasi and I am a yoga teacher and I specialize really in using props and accessible ways to let people connect with their bodies and their mind in a way that is joyful and playful and sometimes humorous and sometimes serious. And it's always this evolving mix of understanding your body, where you are at today and being comfortable with it. You know, I feel like we've been told so often to not use our body or be afraid of our body and bringing props into the practice just creates this whole new world, at least for me. And I think for my students, all of those aha moments that, you know, I think I, I live for both my own aha moments and those of my students. So I think when I, uh, if I could give a visualization of my work and, you know, using props, I would say a very young child who's like looking at the entrance of a carnival, that there's so much to do. There's so much to explore. 
you know, sometimes it's a little bit scary because, you know, I can use a chair, but we don't necessarily just sit on the chair. We can do all these different things with a chair. And so there's a little bit of that roller coaster ride, but then also that sweetness and um, open to, to exploration. So a lot of that is like who I am and what I do and what I try to bring in the practice. You can see all this stuff on, on Instagram. I'm at Allison Ray Jirasi. Um, and I teach online. I have a whole online yoga studio that explores all of these props in depth and explores the practice in depth in some more traditional ways and then also in some new age waves. Got it. Now, how did you start out as a teacher teaching in this way or did you start out teaching I mean I think there's teaching with props which I think in general people are like hey grab a block for this posture or a strap can be helpful here I feel like you're in a completely different zone and for people who haven't looked at your Instagram once they do they're going to be like oh I totally get what Karen meant there when she said that and so I guess what I'm wondering is, was this an evolution for you or was this like right out of the gate, you had that sort of inspiration? It definitely an evolution, but I think it was also something that was very apparent, though I didn't see it, if that makes sense, right? Because you go into teacher training and you're taught what to do and you're like, okay. And I think I had a natural inclination just to use props. Like I didn't, I always think of props as, you know, like if you're playing basketball, would you not play basketball with a basketball and hoop? Would you not go weightlifting and not use weights? Would you um, not, you know, be an artist and not use a paintbrush? And I mean, I know, would you be a painter and not use a paintbrush and a canvas and right. paint? So that's kind of where I was with props. You know, I never saw it as a, if you can't do this, then use this type right. of modality. Right. Um, you know, but then I was always getting my bearings teaching. You know, I think it was more monumental for me to be able to teach and be a good teacher and explain myself and be concise with my wording. And of course, all of that has evolved as well. But you know, that was the main focus. Once I became comfortable in my teaching and who I am and blending those two together, then it was like, oh yeah, like let's bring in all the exploration. Let's bring in all the tools. Let's bring in all this stuff. And then I've had wonderful teachers and experiences throughout that were never shaming or what are you doing type of attitudes towards my teaching. And so I think as students were grasping onto it, as I was able to move in fluid environments that were welcoming of this type of, I don't even know what you would call it, style, method, I guess, method or approach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just all came together. Okay. So I think for me as a teacher, when I look at some of your videos and maybe even though we're doing this in audio only, maybe if you have even an example, you could walk through, like I was looking at the one on your website where you're using a band, a resistance band for half moon. Yeah. Like something like that, you know, like in my head, especially because my whole focus is anatomy, I think of things very functionally and I, I kind of don't want to say black and white. However, I think of them very functionally through the lens of anatomy. When I look at your videos in my head, I'm thinking I would have never thought of that. Like that would have never even came to me. 
And I sometimes sort of am looking for what's the, what's the, like, what is this connected to? So in the beginning, you were saying, um, allowing people to connect more with their bodies or maybe in a different way. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what's the, number one, I would be really curious. And I loved your metaphor about a kid at a carnival. I think that's really kind of a window into you that that's the metaphor you went to when you were describing using all these props. Um, tell me like what goes through your mind and what has been going through your mind as you've been doing sort of the traditional presentation of poses and you were seeing like, oh, there's an option to do this with that posture or this with that pose. How, how does that work in your head? <laughs> Let me get in there and try to understand, see the world, see the practice through your eyes. Like, I'd love to know not only what goes through your head, but also who is, who, what is the person getting out of this presentation that's missing, not to be in a judgy way, but just what's different for them as a student when they now have this variation or exploration of doing a pose in the way that you do it. Yeah, so, you know, I think what is not representative of what I do on Instagram is the teaching, teaching aspect, right? And so, yes, you can get a glimpse into this world, right? So you have the Ferris wheel. How does it work? Yeah. I don't really know, but I do know in yoga how that Ferris wheel works. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, the way to get into the body and the way to get these connections is really sensory and feeling. And sometimes the props can help with that. Sometimes they can detract from that. So Instagram gives you just this glimpse of like, hey, that's really cool. Like, I like that. But really to get the context and the idea of what is happening, it really happens in that class format because you're learning, you're, you're learning about, right? And I'm very, um, you know, an anatomy um, liker connoisseur, I don't know, right? So it's like you're exploring internal and external rotation and then you could use internal and external rotation using the band. So going against resistance with resistance, see how the band helps you to get there, see how it's harder for you to get there, you know, depending on what you're doing, right? So you put all of these um, bite-sized pieces together to eventually lead up into maybe this propped variation or um, or just a different variation of how you might look in, you know, light on yoga and say like, okay, this is extended side angle. So this is what I do. So I would say in my classes, it's not just a bunch of, you know, this is a prop variation to do side angle. This is a prop variation to do propose. This is a prop variation to do, you know, it's not just a bunch of poses, but it really is this methodical breakdown of each individual component and then playing and exploring, bringing those together. So I feel like students can get deeper into their body, not by me being a mouth in the front of the room or in the virtual classroom and saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. This is how it goes. This is the right way. This is but really saying like, okay, when you turn your thigh out, is it different? Does it feel different turning your thigh, your left leg to the left by moving from the thigh, moving from the head of the femur in the acetabulum versus 
rolling or thinking of moving from your knee to the left versus thinking of moving your ankle, your outer ankle down towards the floor versus the outer edge of your foot down towards the floor, right? So as you're moving distally and proximally, right? Like those are just different sensations that we feel. And then once we put it together and I say, okay, we're gonna do half moon with a resistance band. So put the resistance band on your left foot. That's gonna be the left leg that you turn out, right? So feel that degree of rotation and see how you're moving naturally, mm -hmm. right? See if you're moving from the thigh, see if you're moving from the foot. Does it make a difference for you? Does it not? Mm -hmm. And so those are the, the points of getting deeper into the body and, and building upon all of those thoughts and those ideas. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like when I think about just how you walked us through that and just heard it, you know, I, of course not doing the posture, but as I heard that, it's, it's very sort of inquiry driven to me as a way of you sort of being an inquiry coach of the students to allow them to notice more. So is that like an interoceptive kind of process? So is that sort of part of the intent? Yeah, I think it's that part of the intention, but also giving back this sense of autonomy to our body, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like we are living in a society where as fragile as we can be, we are mm. not, mm. 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 right? And so, and then we think of the things that we put in place that can help us in life, but also things that take away from our autonomy. Mm. And yeah, so and I mean, even if you think about that in the context of yoga practice, I mean, certainly it's got thousands and thousands of years of history I think though, if I take what you just said and sort of apply it within the context of yoga, there is sort of a do it this way kind of underlying messaging that, you know, is sort of part of any sort of exercise instruction. It's like you have your trainer or your yoga teacher or fitness coach, whatever. Um, whereas I think your style is more focused on really not having those four walls around the student sort of is that would that be uh <laughs> yes and no right so okay. the, there's the general outline right yeah. so you can have the general right outline right turn your left foot out uh 90 degrees turn your right foot in 45 degrees bend your knee on top of your ankle right so it's like it's giving you that format but i definitely wouldn't say you know bend your knee on top of your ankle so that you don't hurt your ankle right 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 yeah it's so much different know. right yeah. that putting your knee on top of your ankle or heading in that direction or yeah. freezing it that way. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you there making that, that equation, this mm -hmm. equals that, and therefore this movement is bad. I, 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 I love that you called that out. So um, tell us about some of the props, you know, because there's the standard kind of block strap situation but you've got a whole bunch of other things going on so <laughs> tell us in your yoga carnival what what's what's out there yeah so 
Uh, this was brilliant. This isn't mine, but uh, Allison West is a brilliant teacher yeah. based out of New York City. Yeah. yeah. And so she said, once something becomes a prop, it's always a prop. And so really, whatever you have at your disposal, right, it doesn't have to be in yoga journal in order to be a prop, right? So you want to like, oh, you know, if I slip this towel underneath my hand, I have a softer surface, but it's also a little bit elevated and it gives me comfort feeling something soft instead of the hard ground. Well, now that's a prop, you know, um, probably better ways to utilize a towel, but, um, you know, really it can be anything. And so I would say the, the normal staples in my practices and my classes would be a chair, bolster, blocks, um, strap resistance bands are super fun and not just because they're fun, but also they give the body sort of this bouncy springy, um, element that I think we lose, especially as, as we age. Right. And so to, to get a little bit of that back, mm. very nice to feel, um, blankets and also your body. Right. So I think sometimes we can overdo it with props as well just like with anything in life. And so your body is a prop. So understanding just how the body moves in small parts, that's what makes it accessible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it functional too. And then to start to incorporate all of these different props into the practice. So they all serve a, a purpose depending on whatever that North Star is for the day, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, for sure. Um, so just a practical question that I'm thinking when, and this sort of ties into getting a sense of sort of what your days look like these days compared to what they look like before COVID in terms of your teaching, because I know even for me, when I wanted to bring in MFR balls into some of my classes at one of the studios I was teaching at here in Boston, it was like a whole major ordeal. Who was going to buy them? Who was going to bring them? We were going to use the same ones for every student. This was before COVID. So in your classes with all of these props, just on a practical level, how do people access this kind of uh, equipment? So yeah, that's a great question too. Um, I would say I probably took charge of what was at my disposal and then that's what we'll use. Okay. Right. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at studios that had chairs and that had resistance bands, um, you know, and as well as, you know, quote unquote, the normal props that, that studios right. may have, but you know, if it were like I teach at a beach right now and we don't use any props, right? But we use the sand as a prop and, you know, there's rocks and there's chairs and there are benches so we can yeah. utilize that, you know? Cool. And so I think that even though you're using the props too, like we also want the autonomy of just being able to move our body without them. Right. So there's this mix and match and it's been really interesting to um, be able to encounter those. So I would say just as a practical, you know, see what you have, use what you have, and then have conversations, clear communication, right? Like, I really want to bring resistance bands in. This is right. what I need. Right. If it's like, you know, those rolls of resistance bands are not super expensive. So depending yeah. on how many people there are, you know, I would cost that. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Now when you, so just a little sidebar here, and I want to continue to go down the path of the, the actual practice 
piece. I'm just sort of curious, what, how has, how have things shifted for you since COVID in terms of, and especially because you do have this kind of niche presentation of the practice. Did you teach a lot in person and now you teach a lot online? I'm just curious, and I know the listeners, everybody's sort of morphing into their own way of, of you know, and depending on where they live, sometimes things haven't changed so much, or maybe they did for a little while and now they're back to normal or whatever. So I'm just curious for you how that looks. Yeah, so prior to COVID, I definitely did the whole, you know, teach a million classes, run to a million studios, do the workshops, teach teacher trainings. Um, I started traveling and teaching, you know, nationally and internationally. So, and really COVID was um, a big year for me, 2020, or was going to be a big year in terms of travel and bringing my my um, teaching a little bit wider. But, you know, then the pandemic happened and that was, then it was like a big pivot. What I love about what I do is that it's like, I'm all about pivoting and adapting and okay, well, this didn't happen. So now what? And so I've really taken a kin to online teaching. And I think that there's something so special about it that, you know, online classes have been going on prior to COVID, right? So it's not like this is a a COVID only thing. So I didn't realize the impact of how uncomfortable it is sometimes for students to be in a yoga studio. And sometimes using props makes students feel even more uncomfortable, either from prior faulty ideologies, or just it's like clumsy and confusing, especially at the beginning, right? Um, Bringing all these things together, or just, I don't know, feeling, just not feeling it around other people, but being in your home and having this space to explore, right? Sometimes that's it. Like your props are bumping into each other and then people are, so having your own space to, to explore and truly explore on your own, I think has been so impactful for so many people. And it's something, right. As a teacher, like I have my own personal practice. So I think I forget how liberating that is. And so for them to have it is, you know, astronomical. Uh, So I, you know, I teach classes online. I do a lot of digital classes. And I think that is really phenomenal because people really get the, the sense where like, wow, that's really cool. I want to stay here longer. I want to explore here longer. I didn't understand that. I need to go back and I need to. So it's like recording me recorded classes. Recorded classes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it just gives people the space and the time and the luxury that we don't normally have maybe in a live class. And of course, lots of benefits to live classes too, right? But I think finding the good in both and having a mixture of both in our lives, because you can't always make it to a class or the time framing is too rigid, right? Like I can't do 60 minutes. I can do 20 minutes, but. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think before COVID, even though there were classes online, it certainly wasn't as available as it is now. And I think people weren't as 
willing maybe to do it. They were just used to the schlepping to the studio, even if it was after work and it was super stressful to get there. And, you know, that whole thing or the Saturday morning, it's going to take three hours between getting there, doing it, showering, and then being functional for the rest of my day. But people just sort of, that's what they did because there really wasn't another option. So I love how you sort of looked at it as the glass half full type of thing. Um, so when you teach your online classes, do the students know before they come, this is the type of, these are the props I'm going to need? Or do you say when you first start out, get, you know, grab a chair in your house, you know, blah, blah, blah. How does that work? Yeah. So I think most people come to me kind of knowing what to expect. So they know okay. to have like a whole array of things. But a lot of times I won't go super heavy on the props if it's a live class, a lot like a Zoom class, okay. because people might not have... Yeah. all the things. So, you know, I don't want to stress people out either. So the recorded classes are more like, hey, this is what you're going to need okay. so that when they can collect those items, take their time. If it's a Zoom class, it's more like the normal. Okay. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So um, can you, I hate to kind of put you on the spot here. I'm just wondering, can you think of maybe a pose that you know, maybe like one of your favorite poses that you've sort of morphed into your way of presenting it. Can you tell us a little bit about that posture and why you changed it the way you did? Or I don't know, I'm just kind of, I'd love to, to talk about a couple of examples and really kind of drill down into some of the logic around it. So I don't know, something that's just somewhat different from the normal use a prop you know, under your arm, if you're doing twisting crescent lunge, you know, like that's probably somewhat in the common vernacular of teachers. But um, again, when I look through your Instagram, I'm like, wow, I would have never thought about that. Or I would have never thought about that. So is there anything that comes to mind that you can walk us through? Yeah. So first I would just clarify that, like not, like it's not mine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I think that these prop variations are are out there, you know, and that there are teachers. I mean, of course, like Iyengar, there's a huge mass. Yeah, of I do think I don't have a lot of Iyengar experience. It does sort of the little bit I've seen just from being in studios with teachers who have that expertise. It did kind of remind me of that um, only in that. I know there's a lot of props to be used there. And I hear what you're saying. It's not yours. However, when you teach it, it's your way of sharing something that maybe there is somebody else doing, but in that moment, that's your presentation of that. So yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like that, like that's one thing to be clear on. And two, like, I, I don't think that it's ever, you know, um, like I don't teach things different ways, right? So like I'll teach an arm balance with props and I'll teach it without props or it might be a progressive or it might be like, let's just do it this way. Or there's one actually, what I do like, so I, I would call this class fire and smolder. So we would get to the pinnacle pose yeah. And the pinnacle pose would be, uh, sorry for everybody, I'm doing air quotes with pinnacle pose. So with that pinnacle pose, um, it would either be the fire, so the arm balance, or it would be the smolder and it would be a restorative pose, but it would be a restorative arm balance. So it would be the same shape, just done differently with the same props. So one of them is uh, Ekapada Kaundinyasana, which is I think, flying splits. Yeah. So if you think of triangle and chaturanga, that's pretty much for the listeners out there, that's what yeah. that 
arm balances. So I'll often do it with, um, I think the simplified version for people to, to visualize the easiest and then can go on Instagram and see other variations is to have two, right? <laughs> is to have two blocks stacked horizontally, one on top of the other. Okay, so yep. they're both on the lowest height. And then those blocks will go underneath the hip. Okay, so okay. the hip of the back leg. Yeah. And then you would position yourself and come into the arm balance that way. Yeah. But you could do the, the smolder version. We'd actually do this with a bolster because, you know, that wouldn't be super appealing on blocks. But you could lie on the floor. You could lie flat on the floor and have the leg out to the side. Right. So you're in a prone or you could do it on your back, too. So then you would be in Sutta Padangusasana, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you have these like, I want something more today, or I want intensity, or I want to explore an arm balance, or like, I want to explore something softer, or like, I'm good, or I don't need that, or, you know, or this is like where I'm at today, whatever, whatever the thing is. And so you get to not only experience something different and see something different, but also see the correlation between those poses. You can also have that autonomy to say, this is how I feel. This is what I want to do rather than the mouth in the front of the room telling me this is what I have to do because I've attended their class. Yeah. I like how you, I never thought of smoldering in a yoga pose, but <laughs> I mean, I like that, that, that distinction between like the fire and the smolder, would you say smolder is kind of like getting into the yin kind of sort of like you're in a, in something longer kind of yeah, right. Because so if you think of it, right, like you're doing the arm balance, it's going to take a lot of time anyway, because you're setting yourself up, you're figuring out your, your body with your props, right? right? I know my configurations, other people don't necessarily, right? So like, I love my tall students, I'm barely five feet tall. So like, I'm like, oh, that definitely doesn't work for you. Like, without a doubt, we need to do something different. I'm not really sure. And so they allow me the experience to experience on what it's like to be a taller person. And so then I gain my knowledge saying like, you know, maybe if you're over five feet, that might be a better right. experience. Yeah, right. So, um, but the smoldering part, I would say is, yeah, so then like, it might not be as complex to, to get into. And so yeah. you can take your time there. So both take time, just take time in different ways. And so one right. can experience and explore as the other one experiences and explores for a longer, perhaps more restful period, like that cooling down. Yeah. 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 Um, so the classes in general, the ones with the props, I mean, I know you're saying these live classes, it's kind of a little bit more of the standard repertoire. How long are these classes? You know, what's like your general format? And if, do you have any particular like theming? Like, do you maybe go into a class with the mindset of, I'm going to focus on external rotation of the hips or like, how, how does that work? Like, tell us a little bit more about what's going on in your head there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, class duration just depends. Like live class will be 50 minutes and then online classes or the recorded classes, you know, will range depending on what it is and then workshop style. So those will be a little bit more. Right. Um, and it all depends, you know, on intensity and preparation and what you can fit in and what you can't. And right like I probably wouldn't necessarily do like um you know a, a 15 minute arm balance class right um unless it was like a different like a sideline yeah 
or so, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I definitely go into class with an intention and a theme, not necessarily philosophical, because I think that my philosophy is woven into the usage of the props and the way that we yeah. use our body and the way that things are language. Mm -hmm. um, and it'll probably most definitely have an overarching theme either um, you know, if it's like twists and different twists that we can explore and the same, um, I would say like prompts or guides. So mm -hmm. if I'm like when I've been doing is like the archer's arm, right? So pulling the, the elbow back. And so feeling the shoulder blade move closer to the spine, right? Feeling that that's retraction because you need like that repetition to be able to get into it, to feel it to experience it, to learn what it's called, learn what's called anatomically, right? And then adding, right? So you have the, the retraction and then when does that retraction start to turn into rotation, right? Mm -hmm. so things like that. And so that in every twist, you know, whether it's a revolving crescent lunge or, um, you know, spinal twist, whatever it may be, it's always going to approach from that same way pulling the elbow back feeling what you feel then adding the rotation then maybe you know extending the elbow mm -hmm. so kind of that repeating of a common theme I kind of think of it in my own teaching like when you go to a comedy show and the comedian has like that one joke that they sort of keep coming back to I sort of think of that same idea would you think that that would be somewhat similar you're kind of coming back to that same it sounds like almost anatomical reference mm -hmm. to sort of anchor the student. And then from that oh, increased awareness of, oh, now I'm connecting what I'm doing with what mm -hmm. I'm hearing. And now I have more agency over what I'm feeling because now I'm more almost educated as to what the movement is. Would that sort of encapsulate it? Spot on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like, and this is just, I mean, obviously we've never met before. So this is my first, you know, kind of connection with you live and in person. Um, but I feel like, and, and maybe, maybe it's not something you're aware of. I always find this interesting when I interview people on the, on the podcast to kind of hear what the subtext is of what they're saying. And I feel like for you, I'm getting the sense that there are important themes for you as a teacher about teaching yoga that you're sharing. And I'm wondering what some of those themes are. Like in the beginning, you said a little bit about giving something along the lines of helping people feel more in their body or being more aware of their feelings in their body. And then as we've been talking, you've talked a little bit about like the mouth in front of the room and that kind of thing. So yeah. what, tell me a little bit about like, what are your, what are your thoughts about like who you are as a teacher and what's important to you as a teacher and what the role of a teacher is? Like, I feel like there's some topics there that maybe you're not literally saying, but they're there. And I would love to know what those are. Yeah. Oh no, they're there. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't even know what those are because those are the things I feel like that make teachers different and also help them really authentic that's their authentic way of sharing the practice wow. versus kind of just, like you said, at one point, going to training, hearing the way to present it and presenting it that way. So tell me a little bit about what some of those themes are for you. 
Yeah, you know, I think yoga world is is complex and it has so many great things and a lot of bad things. And I think a lot of those bad things are continually overshadowed and really not talked about. And I think that there needs to be a little bit more of light on that. And also in the subtext of our culture, right? It's like you see a person in front of the room and therefore they have all the authority. They have all the knowledge. They know the things, you know, I was very good at school. And the reason why I was good at school is because I knew what people wanted. And if I knew what the person wanted, I would give the person what they wanted and I would get a good grade for it, period. Mm-hmm. Right. right. You know? And that's not education. <laughs> right. It's right. not thinking for yourself. That's not yeah. learning. And yeah. so I, for a very long time, did not understand the, perhaps the dynamics, the power dynamics that are involved in standing in front of the classroom. I didn't understand that people looked at me differently than I look at myself and who I am as a person. And so like, you know, I'll teach a class and they'll say, you know, you solved this for me or you fixed this for me. I was like, "Mm -mm, I didn't do this class. I didn't make you do that in your body. You came to class. Mm. You decided to listen to what I had, or you were open to the suggestions that I was making. Mm. You explored it. You made those connections. And now you feel this way. Mm. So yeah, sure. Maybe I was a guide. Maybe, you know, do I serve value? Absolutely. I serve value, but I'm not the thing. I'm, you know, it's kind of hard to, to, to say that, but you know, or like, you're my guru. And I'm like, I don't think either of us understands the deeper implications of what that actually means. So like, let's, you can say like, I teach you yoga, or I never say like, my yoga students, I usually say students who practice yoga with me, which I understand is a lot more words, and it's probably easier to convey. But I never because I'm, I'm not possessive of who is in my class or to me and so I think that you know there's a lot of drama between yoga teachers and studios and the dynamics that go on there and behind the scenes and um you know this scarcity mindset where it's like if you come to my class you can't ever go to that class or that studio or you know I'm like too much drama like come be enjoy learn something Mm-hmm. yourself you know um I love making mistakes in front of the class just showing how incredibly human I am because there's again like that little bit of a pedestal that people will put you on and I'm like mm, I will be honest with you I taught three classes this morning I'm coming to you guys right now barely get words out of my mouth yeah come on down into constructive rest let's see how this goes you know and and I feel like taking away those layers of you know like toxic positivity even though I'm a very positive person but you know making that distinction between a half glass full type of personality versus no everything has to be positive all the time love and light and all that stuff you know like that just isn't reality and I'm trying to strip away those layers to make things as real as possible, given our insight and our experience and how we communicate with each other and how we experience these things together. So just because, you know, I got a yoga teacher certification does not mean that I am any more 
gifted or enlightened or whatever preconceived notion that people have of me and the more of me that I can show people, I feel like the more of them they can show me and others and realize that all these stresses that we put on ourselves to be perfect or to be this way or to look like a yoga, like, like what is like looking like a yoga teacher even me, like I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are things that I, that I convey, but definitely there's the power dynamic. So when I say like the mouth in front of the room, yeah. that's a recent thing that I've been saying. Um, and so just that sort of authoritarian type of do this, do that. This is the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yoga for X, Y, and Z. I'm like, it can, these are things that can help. These are things that can serve as a tools, but you know, like, I don't know. And I don't think many people know, but I'm more than happy to explore and take time with you to, to go on these different avenues and adventures with you. But to tell you, you know, that this is going to solve if, if that were the case, I think there would be a lot more happier people and probably less problems in the world. So there's right. not that. Right. So what is there that we can have to bring that right. peace? So in that last piece, you're talking about sort of the claims that sometimes people make where they equate, if you practice yoga, this will happen. And yep. sometimes they're most often health type claims. So is that kind of the area you're speaking yeah. of? Yeah, there's part of that. I guess even could be feeling related, like you'll feel this or you'll feel that. Yeah, I I call myself out on on all the time while I'm teaching, you know, I'm like, oh, this is the best pose. And I'm like, I'm projecting. Yeah. But, you know, and I want to just be so transparent and so clear in what I can, because it's like, no, this pose isn't comfortable for people. I shouldn't be saying that this pose is comfortable people and so it's like and I think once we start thinking that way then it's like okay here's an option for this here's an option and I know options can also be overwhelming so it's like where is this balance between not overwhelming students but then also giving them like you don't have to come to my class and do the things that I say I just want you to have an experience and that openness to be like oh I can actually do something like this or you know, um, feeling the body and how it moves, how it moves naturally, how we position it so that it's not natural. And that's, that's, and that is not a bad thing either. Right. Or like what my anatomy allows me to do versus what it doesn't allow me to versus I still like the feeling of turning my thigh out more, even though I don't have more external rotation. You know, so like, I think it's very layered and nuanced as to what we can say. And I just want people to be as empowered to, to explore and know that it's not this way Mm -hmm. and they can have more options. Mm -hmm. So would you say similar to how you sort of created and morphed into this style of teaching from where you started when you Mm -hmm. originally were teaching and you were kind of like all of us, you went to teacher training and, you know, you kind of emerged from your initial teacher training and maybe subsequent trainings with a particular kind of, I would imagine, somewhat more mainstream kind of doing it without props, except for every once in a while type of thing. Um, Would you say that all of what you just described as kind of your, your approach to teaching, especially as it regards 
the relationship between teacher and student. Did that evolve also because either you had some experiences yourself that kind of hit you a weird way or you observe, and you don't have to get into details. I guess I'm just wondering where did all of this come from? I mean, you made that mention of being a student when you were in school and you kind of learned, well, if I just kind of follow the rules, I'm going to get the A and I can just move on to the next thing, which you know, is kind of the educational system as we have it, <laughs> you know, but a lot of people don't ever question that. They kind of just say, okay, and now I'm going to go to college and I'm going to just repeat the same process again. And my relationship to authority is what it is. How is it that you saw that differently, you know, at least in, as it relates to being a teacher? Yeah. Um, so I think there are a lot of different influences, mm -hmm. but I think one of the things is seeing and communicating the struggles that others have. Mm -hmm. So I would see incredibly brilliant people who hated school. And I'm like, why do you hate school? Why do you hate books? Why do you hate education? And then I see what their experience was mm -hmm. and how they went through it. Mm -hmm. And so by creating this funneled experience where this is what you have to do, to get along, to make it, mm. and how incredible of a disservice that is to mm. so many others. And those are the things that break my heart and also set me on fire and make me want to, to change things because it's like, why should anyone ever come into a yoga class and think their body isn't good enough? Why should anyone come into a yoga class and think, but my body moves this way or it doesn't move like this person and therefore I'm somehow less than. Mm -hmm. And you feel that there are forces, I'll just say for lack of a better term, out there that sort of subtly or overtly kind of communicate that mm -hmm. messaging and that can be sometimes how students have those negative impressions in class about themselves yeah i mean you know we look at the you know the media and the marketing that we have in yoga if you ask somebody that's that doesn't practice yoga or has yeah. made practice a few times right what is yoga and it's like it's being a contortionist it's like no it's, it's yeah. not you know but i can't do a handstand but i'm not flexible but i can't touch my toes but i can't yeah. Yeah, but it can't. It's amazing how long those things have been out there. It's like, it doesn't seem like it's going away. <laughs> no, it, it, it doesn't. And that is really unfortunate. And I yeah. think that's why there's more need for representation of, of different people. Because, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> this is where I get caught up a little bit. Because it's like, I look at, I come from a very big sports background family. And so I'm like, but don't people watch football? But don't people watch gymnastics? So yeah. it's like, I don't understand the frame of reference when people say like, oh, I can't be strong because I want to be flexible or I'm, you know, right. you, you know, they say, I'm I, think like, though, I think though, when people think flexible, mm -hmm. they don't understand the anatomy of flexibility to appreciate that flexibility at the nth degree is actually not super strong. There's actually sort of a vulnerability there. There has to be a good balance and you can have that balance. I think oftentimes people think about that very in a very binary way. You're either flexible 
mm -hmm. or you're strong. And right. just as you say, when you watch gymnastics, they have both qualities in their body. Exactly. So being able to, and sometimes that's, that's all you have to say, right? If you can find that in that other relatable yeah. fact for people, then it's like, oh, maybe I can try this. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So relating it to something else, physical movement wise that, that they can relate to because they keep getting boxed in when they think about yoga and they keep excluding like self excluding. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, so we've had such a, such a gift with, you know, yoga and we all come to, to the practice with our own experiences and how they've been great for us. And again, not to project that, right. It's not come to yoga and it's going to be awesome. But, you know, I think that we do want to share that with people and let them find that on their own. But sometimes it's so hard to get out of the gate because of yeah. what they see in media, what they see. Mm -hmm. And then if they go to that class, right? It's like yoga 101, let's get ready for a headstand. It's like, oh man, oh yeah. man, Fine. you know? Fine. Yeah, yeah. And how do you feel about where you were talking before about more people doing class online than prior to the pandemic? Do you feel that because there's more online instruction now that it gives people more access to try that, you know, that type of person who might exclude themselves prior to COVID because they don't want to go into a physical space and be surrounded by people that they feel, you know, they don't feel like they can do it as well as do you feel in the online world, there's more of a willingness to try it? Um, I don't know if there's a willingness to try it. I think the accessibility is there. Yeah. So it's got to be sort of this perfect storm of like, yeah. I think somebody in real life that encourages them like, hey, yoga could be really good. Yoga's not all the same. I practice with this teacher. Maybe you wanna try this, you know, so that, that there's a little bit more motivation because you could like follow all the Instagram yogis you want and be like, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Don't like, don't like, okay, you know, and, and scroll through, but really that step to, to say like, hey, I'm feeling a certain way and I think yoga might, help you know and i think that that's where online yoga can be really beneficial especially if there are barriers right because there can be you know economic barriers there can be time constraints there can be you know even having a local yoga studio but then being able to access it because going up flights of stairs isn't accessible to you and they don't have an elevator or you know like there's just so many different um variables that can stop people and people yeah. sometimes stop people so I do think that online yoga is a great way to be able to do it at your own literally do it at your own pace like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch this video and see if it jives with me or you know and then progress along that way right so when you do your live classes especially or even when people however they access your online classes. I know you have that hub and I'm sure some of it's like a paid product and some of it might be free access, but definitely your Zoom classes are free or do you charge for those? So I do charge for those, but they do come with the hub membership. So, okay, got it. So I'm curious, like, do you, 
how how do you find people are finding you to come to class? Do they the virt well because these are virtual the live classes are they coming via they maybe mentioned to you they found you on Instagram and how do how do you feel like you know if you have some sense of how people find you how do they do that? Yeah, so I definitely have the people that used to go to studios who no longer okay. have a studio, right? So they're with me. There are people. Like I mean, they I practice with you in person. Right, exactly. Right. And then okay. so once that, you know, kind of sees yeah. then people would come or people who had moved away yeah. and then now everything was shut down. Those people now were able to access me and my teaching yeah. again. So that was really cool. And then the other part that I never realized was that um, some of the, the students who practice with me now, right, they've been reading my articles from around the world and seeing me in that way and not being able to experience the whole the whole package, let's say, right? And right. so this has offered them an opportunity to be able to have more class time with me or at least, you know, recorded classes so that those articles come to life or those poses come to life or those feelings come to life um, from what they've been reading. So that I think has been a whole um, influx. Yep. And people that I meet, you know, who I already know are like, I really want to come, but I just don't feel comfortable in class. And I say, Hey, here's right. an online platform. Like you could do it that way. Um, and then definitely Instagram, there's a, a big pull from, from that crowd and, you know, got it. Got it. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you have multiple spokes in the wheel, there's lots of different ways that people can find you. So I think that that is, inspiration to people listening that, you know, get yourself out there and, you know, you don't always know how people are coming to you, but if you have a lot of those spokes in the wheel, sometimes it increases the opportunity for people to connect with you and come, if you're offering online classes, come to class. So um, I'm thinking as we kind of wrap up here, tell us a little bit about kind of where you're headed going forward. Like what are some things we're sort of halfway through this year? This is now, I kind of think of 2022 as at least for me, the year that I just kind of accepted things are never going back to the way they were. <laughs> like I kind of in 2021 was sort of like, okay, I'm still in a weird mode where things could go back. But I think I don't know, and I don't mean all things, at least for this conversation, we can focus it on yoga things. Um, so I sort of feel like there's a new way, and a lot of it we've talked about today here, there's a new way that wasn't as popular as before, namely virtual teaching, that is here to stay, at least for the unforeseeable future. And I agree with you that this does give us as teachers a lot of opportunities that before we didn't really have as much as we have now. So I'd love to know like, not five years, but maybe the rest of this year. And as you look ahead to next year, and of course, who knows what will be happening with travel restrictions and all of that. Um, what do you kind of see for yourself uh, going forward? Like what you'll be offering and teaching? adaptability and change at any given moment um yes. but <laughs> beyond that or more specific to that I am looking into writing a book so that I think is going to be my uh my focus 
you know, crafting different ways for my hub members to experience yoga because I'm starting to realize their struggles in a virtual realm. And so how to, to build upon that, I think more accessibility and options and understanding those options. I think, again, that's a big um, pitfall in, in static um, modalities, right? So you just get that article or just that Instagram post. And so being able to really understand that it's not just about, Hey, I can prop myself up into this pose. Right. But it's that preparation for the body and, and the experience, right? I think we, we lose out on just experience in general because we're so consumed by whether it's our thoughts or other things or life or, you know, but really to be able to sit in that moment. And so being able to be with a video and know that it's okay to stop it and explore on your own or, you know, um, not being solely dedicated to online classes or solely committed to community classes that we all need a mixture of both, right? When I don't want to see anybody, online classes are great, you know, not that I don't want to see anybody, but like as a practitioner, like I just don't feel like being around other people, but I still want to practice. That gives me that opportunity where I don't have to necessarily be alone, alone, right? I'm still in community, um, but I can be in my own space. I can be maybe a little bit more at myself because for some reason something's not at ease where going into a community class would be that way um or i i recognize the need that i do need to leave the house and i do feel safe going to xyz establishment or there's an outdoor class and being able to be in nature or with people and you know what I mean? so those things um so kind of figuring out like what people need and the moments that they need as the years arrive and hopefully being able to satisfy or create um, avenues for people to be able to experience Mm. this practice. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one last question before we wrap up and I'm kind of, I always sort of, when I have people on the show, I always like to ask a question keeping like the listener in mind. And since so much of, I mean, I always like to keep the listener in mind all the time, but kind of putting myself in their shoes, which I have no idea what their shoes are, but kind of surmising. And I think one of the really big themes for me in meeting you today is that I feel like you have a lot of conviction about a lot of things in regards to teaching and how to show up as a teacher and, and all of that. And I feel like for a lot of teachers, there's sort of that cork in the ocean, like, I'm not really sure what my authentic way is. I'm not really sure what my style is or how to really stand with conviction in who I am as a teacher. And yes, some of that comes with experience. I also feel like some of it comes with just meditating and journaling and just, you know, attacking those self-limiting beliefs and all the things that sort of crush your authentic way. And that's real. So my final question to you is for people listening out there, for teachers listening who really want to show up as themselves with conviction and teach in that way, how, how do they do that? Cause you've obviously done that. You've evolved as someone who kind of went through the paces and did the things the way 
and you sort of evolved into your own way of teaching. And along with that came, it sounds like a lot of just pillars of things that you firmly believe in that come through, I'm sure, when you're teaching. So how does someone, I know that happens over time, are there some things that someone can do who really wants to have that confidence and that sense of, I know who I am as a teacher and I know what I stand for? How do you get there? Yeah, that's brilliant question and deep and layered and a little complex. I know. How about yeah, that last that. one, right? <laughs> um, you know, I think it's, oh, I mean, for me, sometimes it was getting outside of yoga, yeah. doing non-yoga related things mm -hmm. to remind yourself of who you are. Mm -hmm. I think you find these links, these threads that tell you who you are and we need to pay attention to those. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I found myself asking, if I love this so much and I believe in this so much, but there's that power of position that's telling me that for some reason what I do is wrong, then that situation is not for you. Mm -hmm. And I feel that when we start to recognize that over and over, like, hmm, there's something about this that feels off, or I don't understand why people that I admire are telling me no, mm -hmm. but what I'm really doing feels so right. I'm sure there's a song like that. Otherwise that would be a really good lyric. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't invent that either. Um, but, you know, I feel like that those are those pivotal moments. Yeah. We realize, and that's where you gain your confidence because you say, no, there's evidence that me, that shows the method behind my madness makes sense. Mm -hmm. And really, I think the, the, you know, definitive part of all of this is when you look at your students and you have those conversations after class and they say, thank you. And you've helped me or yeah. in middle of class they're like, Oh, well, nobody can see my expression right now. They're, they have a expression of surprise and that they've yeah. made these connections. The light bulb, the light bulb. The light bulb, right. They, they know, or, you know, that what you are doing serves. Yeah. And yeah. so long as you know that what you are doing serves, there should be no outside forces that tell you that you don't serve. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like to me what you just described, and I love the way you said, kind of do these, doing these things outside of yoga practice and the yoga, the confines of the yoga world. It's almost like, and I always say this is true of yoga teaching, you really have to know yourself to be able to confidently teach because it's really sort of a, a skill set as you teach yoga that if you do have self-limiting beliefs, if you do have self negative self-judgments of yourself, those things tend to come through. It's almost like you kind of superimpose them on your students, yeah. you know, looking at me in a particular way, I'm now going to make that mean something right. or, you know, and that's really something in me, but yet I'm transmuting what I'm seeing and the students of course not saying anything so I'm just left to my own devices to make it 
make it whatever it is. So it sounded to me and everything you just described, and it's such a beautiful kind of message is, you know, to really spend time getting to know yourself and being, you know, kind of a strong, confident person yourself. And that is a great stepping stone, it sounds like, to, to really being an effective teacher and confident teacher. Yeah, because everything you are outside of a yoga class is everything you are inside of it. So there shouldn't, even yoga in and of itself, I think imposes, Yeah. or perhaps better said, like the marketing of yoga mm -hmm. then tells us who we need to be as yoga teachers and we don't live up to those, which right. then create all of this yeah. self-talk and stuff. Because, you know, we're always going to have something, right? Something's going to be happening or like, hmm. Should I have said that? Or man, or why did I say that? You know, I'm like, I know that that's totally wrong. And, you know, and those are those points in the class where like, I'll call myself out and say, that was totally wrong. Please disregard that. Sorry about that. You know, yeah. or, or you just let it pass or, or whatever your process is. But um, knowing that because we have yoga philosophy, you don't have to be a philosopher. Because we have yoga anatomy, you don't have to be, you know, so submerged into the anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we are who we are and we are all gifts. And so yeah. it's about letting that shine so that your students can shine and then you shine back and forth with each other. And, you know, it creates such a, a wonderful experience. and coming from, you know, that, that confidence, it's just, it takes time, but it's not, it's not something that's to be perfected. It's this like beautiful process of yeah. working together and communicating and seeing what works. Like, that's the thing. Like, I think there's a lot of fluff. And yeah. when you get past the fluff, it's like, what works? What doesn't work? This right. works? Let's go with this, you right. know? And then you build the confidence. Like, I don't really know about what's going on to the right and the left but I know what's going on right in front of me. And right. this is what I'm going to teach to and be confident in teaching. And when I'm not, you go out and you learn, right? You learn more anatomy and you're like, oh, that now makes more sense. And right. it just drives that middle lane where you are confident. It gives you the tools to keep doing more and then keep serving more. Yeah, that's great. Well, wow. You, you tackled that question just fine. <laughs> <laughs> It was very broad and I, I love how you how you did that. I really kind of handed you a big platter of things. Um, so why don't you tell people listening here, how do they find you on Instagram and tell them a little bit about how do they access your live classes and the hub? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Allison Ray Girasi, A-L-L-I-S-O-N. R-A-Y-J-E-R-A-C-I. And you can find me on the hub. There's links, direct links in my bio to the hub where you can be a subscribing monthly member, um, do all the things. I'm here for you. You know, you can always communicate with me and I'm happy to, you know, communicate back and see what's going right. on and how we can help each other. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I appreciate that you said yes. I, you know, when I sent you that little note on Instagram, I, I value your time. And uh, I really had a great feeling this was going to be a really inspiring conversation and informative too. And it was both and then some. So thank you very, very much. It was great to meet you. And I hope to have you on again. And I'll continue to 
kind of follow along there on the Instagram and see what what new uh, interesting ways you have of, of supporting people in their practice. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And this has been such a blast. And this actually, believe it or not, I always post on Monday. So this will actually go up today. So yes, exciting. Yeah, do things and like, especially because if there's something that's particularly timely, like now it's not like it's going to go live in three months. So this will actually go up within the next couple of hours. So yeah, so I'll send you the link um, before the end of the day to the podcast. Uh, this episode and then uh, yeah you can listen back and all of that so Um, all right well thank you so much and hope to talk to you again soon very much thank you Karen thanks for having me hi there well you made it to the end of the episode and now you're listening to the outro which is amazing thank you so much for staying all the way until the end. So I want to just let you know that I just the other day put on my website on the events page, a really cool and short, it's like 20 minutes recorded workshop that I've done. And it covers how the topic of how to provide effective cues. And this is something that I get asked about all the time. So I wanted to do a special recorded webinar workshop that you could listen to, you can watch because it is uh, an actual visual workshop as if you were there with me in the studio, uh, or you could just listen to it. I think it's going to be better if you actually watch it. So how you get to this is super easy. You just go to my website, which is barebonesyoga.com. And on the events page, you're going to see the schedule for the events I'm holding on any particular month. And right on that page, you'll see a link to watch the automated webinar. And I like to call them workshops because in the teacher world, yoga teacher world, that's what we call these deep dives we do into different topics. And this one is no different. So just hop over there, barebonesyoga.com, go to the events page. You can watch this uh, webinar that I recently recorded. Here we are in the middle of 2022, and it's got some really cool ideas and strategies that you can use to really build your confidence in your queuing. So once you watch that, if you have any questions, of course, just reach out to me and let me know. And I'm happy to hop on a call with you and answer whatever questions you might have. Namaste.